You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers Connect My Heart. Yeah, well, there you have it. We are fired up for what God is inviting us to with him in this new year of 2020, and we have a prayer that we are sharing together because we're in the midst of launching 21 days of prayer, and we've been saying this prayer together as of last weekend, so across the campuses, online, join me loud, join in offering this prayer. Let's do this together. Here we go. Open my eyes, connect my heart, help me, use me. Oh God, open my eyes. And that's where Pastor Sean left off last week with a really powerful teaching. Today, connect my heart. See, there's all kinds of disconnects that happen when I come into this this arena of prayer. But I have... Very real battles. We all do. We have very real battles. And we need the the power and the presence of God upon us, in us, and through us, and around us if we have any hope of having wins in the battles. And so, connect my heart, oh God. And he will. But you have to pray. You have to what, church? Pray. You have to settle in your heart. You got to settle in your soul. You got to set in your mind what is worth fighting for. I mean, if you're going to write something in notes, you would just write off the top right now of your teaching notes what is worth fighting for. You'd put that right at the top. And then you'd write Exodus 17. Exodus chapter 17. Now, I want to hit the first part of that story right here uh, on the TV screen, but you can follow along, and then we'll turn a little bit later uh, to the text. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill, in essence, to pray over the battle. So, so you got this picture, and there's a battle, and you got to decide, well, what, what's, what's worth fighting for? I don't know if you paid attention in 2019, 
But at the end of August, early September, something uh, became prominent called Popeye's Chicken Sandwich. So you were paying attention. It got uh, re, uh, if you will, surfaced in November. And, and, and then it got all the attention for a bit. And, and even into this new year, USA Today says the chicken fight isn't over. So here's a, a minute from Trevor Noah just to give you a taste if you weren't keeping up on all this. Check it out. Okay, I get it. Popeyes has a chicken sandwich. Let's turn to the, the Amazon rainforest. No, Trevor, it's not just any sandwich. The Popeyes sandwich was so delicious, not even Popeyes was prepared for it. If you were hoping to sink your teeth into that hot new chicken sandwich from Popeyes, you are out of luck. The crispy chicken sandwich was so popular, it's now out of stock. There is a craze, full-on craze. Lines have been so long, police had to be called to deal with the traffic crunch. And some people in Florida have been waiting in line over an hour. The burning question is, have you really run out? When will they be back? When can we get our hands on a new, a new batch of them? <laughs> See? That's how big this chicken sandwich is. This chicken sandwich is so big, CNN put the chicken full screen and put the hurricane down in the corner. That's right. Put that hurricane out the way. People looking at the hurricane, I mean, man, man, forget that hurricane. When that sandwich hit my city. <laughs> and when it came back in November, it happened to come back Surprisingly, on a Sunday, when Chick-fil-A's closed, <laughs> as they relaunched, and people were literally, if you paid attention to this, there were fights. Have you watched this? There were like literal brawls. People were fist fighting in line for a chicken sandwich. Like there were, there, there, we have videos of people just pummeling somebody else in line, somebody body slamming another person, somebody wrecked their car trying to get in line repeatedly, and the drive-through wrecked a Mercedes. Somebody was stabbed for a chicken sandwich. What are we doing? What are we fighting for? Look, I, I've, I've not had a Popeye's chicken sandwich. But we have got to know how good this is. So I have the connoisseur of fried foods with me today. And I want him to tell us how good it really is. So Travis Billman, come on out here. This is my day. This is your day. Whoa. This is all about you, buddy. I was made for this. Yes, you right. were. Now, see, I, I don't, how many of you have ever had a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich? Hands up. Hands everywhere. Oh. Hands up everywhere. How many of you have had a Popeye's? A few hands. They've tested it. I haven't. But you haven't. I have not. I have not either. I'm on a bit of a fast for the 21 days of prayer right now, so I, I I'm can't. similar. I eat fast. Is that okay. how? It's close. <laughs> I want you to test it for us. All right. All right. So yeah. we have uh, one of each. I have one of each. So get yourself ready. Get ready you can yeah. encourage him just a little bit. Very excited. Okay. 
All right. And if you don't mind, I'd like you to. to I'm going to start with the challenger, Popeyes. Okay. All right. And uh, like, just I, describe it for us. That's all I'm really looking I for. I like the fact that they wrap it up like a Christmas gift. It, it makes it fun, you know? All right. So it's heavy. That's a lot of meat right that's there. A, that's a, I see that's you're going for the big side. I am. I am. Go I get the, one bite. All right. Let's see, let's see how this goes. By the way, just to clarify, I bought both these sandwiches at the same time yesterday afternoon. So they're equally fresh. So I asked to give... No advantage to Popeyes. All right, here we go. Mm. Wow, that fit. Mm. <laughs> that was amazing. That's not bad. No? That's not bad at all. It's a good mouthfeel. What do you taste? Uh, it's, uh, it's got a little, it's, got, it's heavy on the bun in my opinion, but it's ah. got a... <clears throat> Let's not forget these are a day old. <clears throat> <laughs> there you go. Are we about done with this test? <laughs> I bet yesterday this was awesome. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's, just, let's get it done, huh? When, when, when we do it's this close. again, no. it might be a good idea for you to take a smaller bite. What do you take think? a smaller bite. <laughs> Other than like you haven't eaten for six days, and that was going to be your only shot at eating. This was your call, bro. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry. But it's still worth it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, you're supporting him in this. Okay. Hey. All right, I want to know how Cleanse good the palate. Okay. It was great, actually. They have a little sauce on there. I didn't add any additional sauces. I wanted to let this, the sandwich speak for itself. And uh, it's, got, it's got a little couple pickles on there. I wonder where they got that idea. It's got a little uh, <laughs> sauce as well. It actually uh, is very good. So let's. Is, is it spicy? Does it have a little bite to it? Or? Well, I didn't get the spicy one, but they have oh. a spicy version. Okay, okay. So, so you want it to be the same? No, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. All right. Really, so, yeah, I'm so, I want, I'm I so want hungry right now that might be worth it. <laughs> exactly. Don't do. I'm not feeling great. Okay. So are, are you okay if I move over to the Please. Chick Fil A? Okay. I'd be great if you'd move on. It's like yeah, exactly. It's like coming home after a, a long trip. Okay. Oh, that that. See, this is what I'm accustomed to right Yeah, here. but see, you're about to go for the golden child again and not be able to talk when you're done. Well, what am I supposed to do? Look at it? <laughs> All right. Don't think a smaller bite. I don't, you got to get the pickle oh, bite man, in there. I, I, they got a little dill in there. I love that. I love that dill. What um, are you tasting? I'm tasting chicken. I'm tasting the wonder of, of God's creation. I'm tasting uh, a little bit of dill. I, I'm, a little hint of Jesus, I think. But I, I think... <laughs> Maybe. Mm. I don't know. That's good. I got a good job. I'm not going to lie. Okay. So I got a great job. Now, I, I'm not saying you, you, you have mm -hmm. to choose and this is going to settle it for the nation, but if you, if, you were, if you could go to the restaurant today, assuming they were both open, uh, which one would you buy? Well, that's like asking me to choose my favorite child, Kevin. <laughs> it's that good? Well, I mean, it's fried chicken. Like, it's delicious. <laughs> Look, uh, yeah, you know, honestly, they're a day old. I really like the Popeye's chicken. Uh, I, I'm not going to say it's my favorite. I need to try them both on a Monday, but uh, I'll get back to you. And, um, and then knowing that we're in church, I'll say absolutely Chick-fil-A, 100% Chick-fil-A. All right, let's so give it up. Let's say thank you, Travis, for helping us out. I'm going to. Are you okay if I just remove this temptation? Yeah, you, you can just keep All eating right, it. Yeah, good, thanks.
How many of you are planning to go to Popeye's right now? I mean, like you're thinking right after church, you're on your way. I want to help you with a little something. Uh, Chick-fil-A restaurants in response to this uh, sometime back installed confessionals so people could repent from eating at Popeye's before partaking in the sacrament of delicious Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Bless me, assistant manager, for I have sinned, one contrite patron said to the uh, assistant manager at the booth. It has been three weeks since my last Chick-fil-A meal and confession. What is the matter? The concerned manager asked gently. She confessed. I ate three Popeye's chicken sandwiches on Sunday. You were closed, and I, I, I had no one else to turn to. She wiped her tears and continued, but I, I now realize that I was wrong. I, I had, I've cheated on Chick-fil-A with the chicken of the world, and I repent. The manager then assigned her five Hail Cathy's. She thanked him, and he responded, my pleasure. All right, we got to be done with the silliness, but that's a lot of fun. Thank you, Travis, for helping us. And All right, we're, we're, we're being ridiculous. We're having a little bit of fun. But we're asking a question, what would you fight for? How many of you would go to fisticuffs for a chicken sandwich? I mean, you would actually fight. No? No hands? I see none here. Which is interesting, because Moses and Joshua are about to teach us what's worth fighting for. And interestingly enough, the answer is hands up. Joshua is in a battle. How did Joshua get in the battle? Well, Israel had been in bondage to the Egyptians for some 400 years, and then God brought Moses back from, from, from the desert for 40 years. He was once the prince of Egypt, and he's now God's mouthpiece, and God's going to use him to release them from, the, from Egypt and slavery, and now they've got to the Red Sea, and, and, and the Egyptian army was on them, and God opened the Red Sea, and then he swallowed up the Egyptian army, and he fought the battle for them, and now they're traveling to the promised land, and they're in the middle of the, the desert and the transition, and, and, and they're going to have to go to war. And, and Joshua, Joshua's not been in war before. We have no evidence biblically that he was a commander. But Moses says, you go fight the battle for us. And he's got to be wondering, why are we in man-to-man -man combat? Why doesn't God just solve our battles? Why doesn't he just wipe up our battles and say, you're done. I took care of it. No big deal. That's what we want God to do. But here the Amalekites come and the battle's begun. Who are the Amalekites? Best we know from history they were nomads, ruthless, brutal. They would come upon any unsuspecting group, even the size of the nation of Israel that probably looked like easy pickings, and they would just decimate them in order to get their goods, their plunder, their possessions. So the battle begins, and Joshua is, is, is here with the, with, with the sword, the army, and, and, and he's fighting. And, it, and, and at first it feels like, oh, God's, God's going to make this happen for us. I mean, they, they have the momentum of the battle. It's going well. They're taking down the enemy. They're pushing back the more experienced army. This is awesome. Thank you, God. But not long into the battle, it's as if, as if the Israelite warriors begin to lose their energy and, and strength. And the battle turns and the wind, so to speak, reshapes. And, 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 and they're now kind of losing. They're stepping back. And, and I imagine Joshua, as he sees another Israelite warrior fall next to him, he's like, oh, no, no. Men, muster your strength. Push. Fight. And somehow... 
the battle turned again in favor of Israel. He's like, yes, push in. And then again, the battle moved against them. Like a tug of war that was unresolvable. But unbeknownst to Joshua, fighting the battle here in the physical, natural realm, he was unaware that this was not the primary battleground. He didn't understand what was happening over on the hill. Over on the hill was Moses. And Moses was hands up prayer. And Moses began to pray for the favor and the kindness and the mercy and the power of God, the presence of God to prevail, the power of God to, to be upon them so that they would gain great victory. And as he had hands up prayer, he watched the momentum of the battle go in favor of Joshua and Israel. And finally, he got tired. And when he got tired, he dropped his hands. And, and now he is, if you will, prayerless, hands down. No big deal. God's given victory. I don't know if it was Moses or, or Aaron alongside him or her, the other guy. And when they finally looked, said, hang on, hang on. Moses, this isn't working. Look down there. The Amalekites are gaining the edge. Israel's on their heels. Moses would have to, oh, no, 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 God, God, you, God, you got to protect us. You got to help Joshua. Oh, God, you, you got to be our strength. You got to be our shield. You got to be our provider. Dear God, we're over our heads. Help them. And the battle shifted. Here's how verse 11 says it in the scripture. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Here's this crazy battle going on between the two. And Joshua doesn't even really understand what's going on in the war. But Moses does. Can you imagine when Moses finally figured it out? How progressively and profoundly is settled in his soul that this hands up prayer thing is the only way they're going to win. That the spiritual realm, the supernatural realm is swaying things the things in the spiritual realm and the supernatural are swaying things in the natural. I, how long did it take before they figured that out and realized that this hands up prayer thing, th this is the deal? Let me put this on the screen for you. Let me, that, that this thing about prayer is not a passive onlooker. Prayer is a critical player. Prayer was not supplemental to winning the battle. It was what, everybody? Foundational. That, that's how they were going to win. I mean, this had to be revolutionary, absolutely revolutionary to Moses. As it would be for us. We, we, we get over here in the physical realm, material realm, and we think this is everything. And, and we, got, we got this, this praying on the hill, hands up kind of thing. But, but, but really... We think that there's a wall between those two worlds. There's a disconnect. A what, everybody? A disconnect. 
Say that with me. Everywhere across the campuses, online, there's a what? Disconnect. What happens over here in the physical, natural realm has nothing to do with what's actually going on in the spiritual, supernatural realm. There's a disconnect, a wall between them. And what happens over here in the spiritual, supernatural realm has nothing to do with what actually happens in the real battle, natural, physical, material battle of life. There's a wall. And Moses figured out There's no wall. There is no disconnect. These aren't separate. God would have us know that 51% plus of the battle is won by what's happening over here on the hill of prayer. Breathe it in. Get the weight of this. It's a whole nother view of the world. And there are three lessons from Exodus chapter 17. Turn your Bibles over to Exodus 17. Just let's read the rest of it and get into the three lessons. Page 73 in your worship center Bible. If you have a, a, a mobile device, it's Exodus chapter 17. We'll start reading and pick up back at verse 10. And just so that you have the whole of the story, page 73 in your worship center Bible, right underneath your chair, Exodus Chapter 17, verse 10. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Verse 14, then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears about it. I think make sure Joshua hears about it because Joshua's over here in the natural physical realm fighting the battle thinking that's where everything got solved. When he won, he thought, I won the battle. Listen, you think you're winning battles in the physical material world as if it has nothing to do with what's happening over here. Make sure Joshua understands how this all happened. Make sure Joshua hears about it because I'll completely blot out the name of Amalek. From under the heavens. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner, he said, because hands were lifted up against the throne, or literally to the throne of the Lord. Hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. You ready? Jot down some notes. Here we go. First lesson be wise warriors. Just write it down. Be wise warriors. In other words, be like Joshua. Here's what I mean God put Joshua on the battlefield. to fight a real physical material battle. We are in a physical material natural world with all kinds of battles in front of us. And listen, you can't just pray and do nothing. You got to fight for your marriage and your family, you got to fight for your for your kids, you got to fight for your career. You 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 have to fight for things in life that matter. Joshua was commanded to get out there and fight for it. Now don't fight for chicken sandwiches. I mean, that's, that's not the big deal. But verse 13 said, and Joshua won with the sword. And that's true, sort of, really half true. Because while he had to draw the sword in battle, which we all do, listen, you need to learn wise principles for life. Train skill and put it in practice, you have to demand things of yourself. 
Yes. Be a wise warrior in this natural, physical, material world that God has put us in. But there's a second lesson. Hands up prayer swayed the battle. Write it down. Hands up prayer did what? Swayed the battle. One more time. Couldn't hear you. Hands up prayer did what? Swayed the battle. See, in the end, the ruthless Amalekites who were well-trained, well beyond Joshua, they, they lost. Joshua, a new commander, was 1-0. and And how did this happen? Because God shifted the battle on the hill. He said, there's no amount of human effort that can compensate for a prayerless life. Take it in. There is no couple that can compensate for a prayerless marriage. There's no family that can compensate for prayerlessness in their family. There's no child that can compensate for prayerless parents. There's no church that can compensate for a prayerless congregation. This was awakening. Do it with me. Hands up. Cross campuses everywhere, even if you're online. Just put your hands up. This is enough. You know what this is right here? Hands up everybody. You know what this is? Surrender. You know, reach for the sky, baby. <laughs> hands up. Didn't say put them down yet. Hands up. You're about to figure out why Moses got weary. <laughs> hands up prayer is reaching to the throne of God and saying, oh God, let your favor wash over my life, over my marriage, over my family, over my kids, over our church, over Vision 2021, over the people to whom you put me on mission who don't know you. Let your favor rest over my finances, over my life, because prayer is God's invitation. Let me put this on the screen for you. Prayer is God's invitation for us to move things in heaven, to weigh things on earth. Now you got to put your hands down because you got to write that. <laughs> prayer is God's invitation for us to move things in heaven, to sway things on earth. There's a third lesson. Hands up prayer is demanding. Oh my goodness. It's demanding. Hands up prayer is demanding. In other words, you can't just do something and not pray. And yet not praying is the most natural thing to us. See, it's like us to not pray. We get over here in the real battles of life. If you're Joshua, you're over here saying, well, I'm doing all the heavy lifting, right? I mean, I'm on the real battlefield. I'm taking the real risks over here. I'm consumed with, with stuff that's, that's demanding and difficult. and I'm, I'm in the real war. Moses? Well, he's over on the hill doing soft and safe things. I, I, I got business to run. I got kids to raise. 
The busyness of life. I barely get a break. I got, I got my fitness. I got, I got my finances. I got, I got health issues. I got, I got strain in marriages and as happy as it's supposed to be, right? I mean, this is what we say to ourselves. I got to taxi kids. I got to keep up with life. I can't hardly keep up with life. And you want me to what? Fit in prayer? That's not the real battle. The real battle's over here. That's for the more spiritual people. Oh, we're going to do 21 days of prayer. You want me to get up at 5 a.m. during the week, get ready for work or school, whatever, and then come over to one of the campuses, and we're going to pray for an hour, and then I'm going to go about real life. I don't have time for that. Who has time for that? Leave that to the little group of people who are spiritual. And pray for me when you're over there. It'd be great. And Joshua might have thought that way because he didn't have the view God gave Moses. Moses saw both battles as one. Both battles as what? Couldn't hear you. Both battles as what? See, Moses realized that the natural and the supernatural have no wall between them. There is no disconnect. There is no wall. This is one. And as soon as Moses understood it, The blue is mine. He now realized that prayer, hands up prayer, is how you sway the real battles of life. And you will never make time for prayer until you figure out that this is one battle. There's no wall. And God removes the disconnect and he connects it for you. Oh God, connect my heart. Because Moses figured out that God was making a connection he had never seen before. It connected his heart. It helped him understand that his heart connection to God and what was happening in the power and the place of prayer. And men and women, this is reshaping to life. How can you possibly hope to win the battles? And we all have real battles this year unless you have hands up prayer. If your hands are down, how powerless are you? What could God do if we became a people who understood that it's one battle and God invites us to prayer? Is it demanding? Yes. If not exhausting. Moses ended up having Aaron and her on either side help hold up his hands. And the lesson in that for us is, oh my goodness, this is going to be demanding, but it's transforming. Tiring and demanding, but transforming. Which means that while we are in battles in, in our lives, like over the lives of our kids, we hands up prayer over their lives as well. So I, in, the, in the life of my kids growing up, every night... Every night that I was home, I made sure at least it was four nights out of seven for me and Marcia and the others, and, and, and we pray over our kids and pray literally with them. Every morning, Jaden, the last one that's home, he's in high school. Every morning before he goes to school, we have a deal. You come find me just before you leave. And I wrap my arms around him. 
I say, tell me about your day, buddy. What are your tests? What are you, what are you facing? What are you doing? Just walk through the calendar. And I pray just a one-minute prayer. Oh, God, bless my son, your son. I can't be with him all day, but you can. Cover him. He's driving now, so I always pray for protection. Oh, dear God. <laughs> God, help him with this test and this exam. Help him remember all he's studied. Have you been diligent, son? I have, Daddy. Good for you. He came into our life when I was 42 years old. That's late. There were so many early challenges for me and for him, and we had some special challenges, and God brought me over here and taught me how to do another level of hands of prayer, and there are things I pray for that young man. And these days at 16, I'm watching God having answered so many of those prayers, and I'm like, whatever other hope would I have had? You need it in your marriage. I had a conversation with a 12-stoner recently, and I think it's almost worth just highlighting this story. Brian tells his story and his journey. He said, the question, are you happy, ruined my life. I said, how did it ruin your life? He said, because it made me start asking, are you happy? And it ended with concluding, well, really, I'm not. And my wife should make me happy. And since every time she wasn't making him happy, he concluded, well, she's the problem. He said, well, in this world, you might as well go after happy because everybody wants to be happy. And she wasn't making me happy. So instead of fight for my marriage, I walked away from my marriage. And he said, after my divorce, I'm still not happy. In fact, I'm alone, far from my young child, and honestly less happy than I was in my unhappy marriage. And I concluded, this is an insane cycle. Living your life by asking, am I happy, is self-destructive because it makes you and your emotional feelings the center of your world. It reinforces self-centeredness that you cannot see and therefore you cannot solve. So to be blunt, reading his story, joining the culture's question of am I happy helped ruin my life. Yes, of course, I'm responsible for my choices, but now what am I going to do? I was looking at my life in one of those heart-stopping moments. What have I done? And in my sorrow for the losses I had brought upon myself, my brother said, you need to pray. To what, church? Pray. It seemed like a small advice for such a large mess, but that's what I started to do. I asked God for help. At first, it was no doubt very selfish prayers, but soon I changed my prayer to Jesus Jesus, I'm sorry. Can you do anything to help me? I'll listen and do whatever you tell me. It seemed the only thing that happened is that I was compelled to keep praying. So with no real plan or end game, I would stop at this one church chapel during lunch or after work and pray. I would unburden what weighed on me and pray for my ex-wife and my child. I was not particularly good at it. But I, I prayed diligently. One day, driving home after work, I was sure God spoke to me, not audibly, but in my spirit. He told me to call my mother-in-law and apologize for what I'd done to her daughter, and I know it could not have been me because that's something I did not want to do. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I had a decision. Do I pull off to the side parking lot and make the call or just dismiss it? So I pulled off and I made the call. That was a humbling moment. Didn't really seem to resolve anything, but at least I had honored God. And 
Meanwhile, God was doing something to my ex-wife. She'd been invited to 12 Stone Church and was pursuing her faith. So I asked if I could go as well. And she said, do what you want. So I did. I showed up. For a while, I sat two rows behind her and then in the same row. And eventually, next to her, we began to date again. I know, it sounds strange. But along the way, um, we became devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And I continued to pray. We went to a counselor, learned how to communicate. And after some 20 months of separation and divorce, we were remarried. The grace of God restored what I destroyed in my selfishness and blindness. We still have problems, but now we pray. Yeah, church? Isn't that the beauty and the power of God? That's the stuff that God does. You know, I don't have anything else to say except you got battles. And you got to settle. What are you going to fight for? You know, we're in Vision 2021 as a church. You going to help fight for that? I mean, certainly we're fighting for more than our chicken sandwich, right? First, certainly at the end of the month when you get your credit card, you have more than your own indulgences and entertainments reflected there. When I look at mine, at least being a part of this church is the best giving I do. My best investment. What battles do you have? What could God do, church, if we would just hands up prayer, right? So I'm going to turn the service over to the campus pastors. And they're going to help us come before the Lord and make some serious decisions about his invitation to pray. We sing this. Uh-huh. 
Even in the middle of the storm, this is what we do. Sing a little louder. Oh, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Come sing a little louder. That's right, that's what we do. We sing a little louder. Oh, sing a little louder. Oh, pray. 